What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. We like to drop these in between our full episodes. Our full episodes come at you every two weeks on the YouTubes and your podcast streaming apps. My name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher, and I am on summer vacation. Jeff, are you on summer vacation, Mr. Super Principal Leader Man? See, um, man, well, I thought we were going to start off today's episode on like a positive, amiable, that uh, is friend, positive. friendly note. <laughs> that is the most positive thing happening in the world it, right now is me dead. being on summer break. Instead, we come out with shots fired uh, from from Dr. Rusted over here. I'm just asking uh, you a question. It's just a question, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> no, I am not on summer break. Uh, the school district that I work with, um, Los Angeles Unified, shout out to uh, LAUSD, um, you know, had the last day of school yesterday. Uh, so a big shout out and props and congratulations to all of the staff, all of the students, uh, who survived um, what has been probably, it's fair to say, the most frustrating school year ever. Um, I, unfortunately, Manuel, I work year-round, and in many ways, oh. the summer is actually the busiest time of year for me, so I'm, I'm actually um, trying to be somewhat principled this year about making sure I unplug for some good windows of time because it has been crazy nonstop for the last 15 months, and uh, I need a break. So, But I, I do want to give a, a special uh, shout out, Manuel, in the start of today's episode. Our, uh, our senior middle school correspondent, uh, none other than Genevieve DuBose, who's a literacy coach down at Watts, um, to, to commemorate the last day of school yesterday. Uh, she built a pinata that was that was made to look like a computer with a zoom screen on it. Nice. <laughs> and the teachers just beat the shit out of the, the nice. pinata. And uh, you know, I had like I was like, you know, I wish I could have been there and got a couple of wax in myself. Like, I love it. I love it. It would have been cathartic. Uh, so um, props and, and uh, respect to the team at Genevieve School for uh, sending the 2020. Dash 21 school year to the grave appropriately. I love that. I love that. That is super dope. That is super dope. And I do hope you get to unplug and get some semblance of, of rest or something during this summer vacation. And actually, I mean, I think a lot of educators out there, obviously we all need it. It's We need it probably more than ever before. And I also noticed that a lot of us educators are already kind of thinking about our our next moves for the fall and, and what we're going to do to sort of come back from what was an impossibly difficult year. And I know at, at my school site, for example, we had a staff retreat this week where we spent two days to just as a staff to really think deeply about all that has happened during our pandemic schooling experience. We took it all the way back to March 13, 2020, and sort of revisited those early phases of the pandemic and how they impacted us as as humans, how they impacted us as educators. And, and we did a lot of stuff over two days to sort of just check in because what we didn't want to do is just go off into summer break pretending like this was normal, like nothing happened. It's like, yo, this what just happened is something that is unimaginably historic and catastrophic. And we need to just like think about it some together and consider 
what long-term impact it has on us as educators before we dip off into our summer. So shout out to all the all the all my colleagues who were part of that because it was a it was a great two days. We heard from from students who came to present a bit about their pandemic experience and and more than that, uh, their experiences just as as youngsters and and in our school system and what they think our school system needs to do to better address their needs and their uh, concerns. So it was actually a, a wonderful two days. No piñata. Definitely wish we had thought about that because that that would have been that would have been great. We did play uh, Family Feud and. My team won, of course. But anyways, <laughs> Jeff, I think there's a lot going on in the world. And usually during these passing periods, we talk about issues in education that maybe we hadn't discussed in our most recent full episode. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. However, I think things are pretty quiet on the education front, right? Not not much happening in terms of schools and and all that. I think we're pretty much heading into a real quiet, calm, smooth summer vacation correct <laughs> oh man well uh <laughs> i mean you know i suppose uh you could you could just stick your head in the sand and make it that way if you want it uh but in the real world what is happening is a very large gathering uh of white americans who are funny enough fairly detached from the actual history of the real world uh, are orchestrating a rather massive uh, white lash against uh, just about every aspect of uh, the teaching of truth and honesty in uh, the social um, studies disciplines uh, all over the country. Um, we have seen, uh, and you know, we've we've kind of been talking about this a little bit because it's it's been like mounting, you know. Yeah. But it just seems that every day there's another story. Now we've seen, you know, provocative videos of people just, you know, just talking crazy. They're completely devoid of historical knowledge uh, and context. Uh, they they have decided that CRT, which I bet half of them don't even really know what CRT stands for. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Man. and about 95% of them, uh, have never actually read anything that would be considered critical race theory. Don't know the origins of critical race theory, um, but have latched onto it as the, you know, the, the sort of new white supremacist boogeyman. Um, you know, it's, it's like Donald, Donald Trump's, uh, Mexicans when he came down the escalator and said, you know, they're, they're not sending us their best. The rapists, you know, whatever other ignorant mess he said, uh, they they have now shifted that kind of galvanizing force of racism, xenophobia, and whatnot to be about critical race theory. And we've seen a lot of white tears in school board meetings, uh, white women, you know, crying about, you know, my child is is not racist because they're white, and and we've seen, you know, folks uh, holding up the no CRT signs. Uh, we've seen, um, you know, angry testimony in school boards across the country, uh, New York state, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, um, Oklahoma, um, Vermont, uh, you know, <laughs> probably yeah. a whole lot more states, Michigan. I don't know if I said that one already, but, um, a bunch of places, um, with just, uh, what, what I think is an outright war from, uh, from the hard, right white supremacist uh, segment of this country uh, on the truth in school. 
and and because how they function, Manuel is is pure projection. Uh, you can you can, like to a certain extent, you can always tell what they're actually up to you up to because they accuse you of doing it. Right. Like they like they accuse, you know, Hillary Clinton of running a child predator ring or whatever, like out the out the pizza parlor basement in D.C. And then we find out that like a whole bunch of Republicans in Congress are like a bunch of child molesters. Right. Like there's there is they tell you what they are doing. And so when they come to the table and they say, this is lies. This is, you know, <laughs> this is yeah. uh, teaching fake news to our kids. Oh, okay. So actually what they're doing is they want to preserve the lie. They want to preserve the white supremacist mythology and they know it's under attack right now. And they know that they, there's nothing, there's not a rational argument for them to make because history has a certain set of facts that, uh, that don't agree with them. And uh, so here we are, man. Well, in a space where they are attempting to use the apparatus of the state, state legislatures, school boards, to outlaw the teaching of truth about white supremacy and racism in American history. So, as a history teacher, I'm sure you, um, you know, you're uh, feeling great about this, right, <laughs> right, man? Well, well, I mean. As you said, we have talked about this several times on this show, and it seems to be an evolving storyline. And the cries against critical race theory seem to be getting louder and louder and more and more outlandish, I would add. So as a history teacher, obviously, this is all very just it's frustrating to see it. It's frustrating to hear it, especially when critical race theory as it exists as a legal theory isn't something that you normally see in K-12 schools is certainly not explicitly taught. I mean, I just finished my 17th year, my 17th year in the classroom, and I was not familiar with critical race theory until I started my doctoral program in 2014. So to say that teach this is just widespread in K-12, I mean, I count myself as, as far as like teaching goes, I count myself as somebody who's always tried to continue to make my curriculum and my practices closer and closer to liberatory practices, humanizing practices as possible. And I, this is something that was like new to me. Critical race theory was new to me in 2014 when, when I learned it in my, my graduate program. So to hear all these claims that it's all over the place and it's in elementary schools and all that stuff is just like, if it's all over the place, I think I would have known about it. But in any case, so there's all that. But what really, really disturbs me the most about this now, first off, all the arguments against critical race theory all the main arguments that I keep hearing are simply that they're just not true. They're not, there's no basis in fact. So they say like critical race theory teaches white kids to like see themselves as oppressors, as, as inherently racist and all this stuff. And critical race theory, I mean, honestly, it's, it's the opposite of that. Critical race theory doesn't really concern itself with individual racists. It more concerns itself with how racism and the legacy of racism continues to impact our, our system. So when you hear systemic racism, like critical race theory is one particular framework to help understand that. So it's not really concerned with individual racists, but what you keep seeing is people at school boards, like you said, Jeff, with their tears saying that my, my son was made to feel like he was an oppressor. Um, it teaches people to hate white people, this and that. And it's just, that's just not, there's no basis in reality, but we know reality doesn't really matter for a wide swath of the nation. That's why so many folks continue to deny that the coronavirus pandemic was a real thing or that the vaccine is real. That's why so many folks continue to deny that the election, the November election was a, a legitimate election. Like 
wide swaths of our country are not really concerned with fact. But one interesting tidbit out of this latest wave of CRT, critical race theory, outrage. By the way, CRT is becoming the new like BLM in terms of how people use the, the acronym with such yep. like hatred exactly. in their voice, like CRT, like BLM, the riots and CRT indoctrination. Um, one tidbit that popped up, or at least that I saw yesterday was this, this idea, I guess you could call it idea. I don't know what you will call it, but some protesters in Nevada who are saying that teachers ought to be outfitted with body cameras to ensure they aren't indoctrinating their children with critical race theory lessons. And somebody in the uh, Associated Press article about this little protest, uh, somebody was quoted as saying, you guys have a serious problem with activist teachers pushing politics in the classroom, and there's no place for it, especially for our fifth graders, yada, yada, yada. So they're saying they wanna outfit us with body cameras, Jeff, but um, spoiler alert, man, we have been on camera all freaking school year. <laughs> I don't care if you've been fully virtual or if you've been hybrid, like, the majority, the overwhelming majority of teachers have been teaching on camera all year. And Jeff, I think if teachers were legitimately doing the things that all these these folks are crying about at these board meetings, I think if that stuff was really happening, we would see that footage. We would, you know, you know, they would be pulling out their cell phones, recording our screens. If we teachers were here indoctrinating youth, forcing white kids to feel guilt, forcing white kids to think that they are racists uh, as just inherently as individuals. If all this stuff was happening, there would be so much footage of it floating around the internets on Fox News all over the place. If teachers were doing the things that they claim we are doing. So these body cameras, this that idea to me is just absurd. Like it's it's been more than a body camera. I've been teaching through a blank screen, blank being like all the cameras are off. I don't know who's on the other side of that. I've been doing that all freaking year, man. So like, this is just so preposterous to me. None of this is grounded in reality. And and I would like to remind folks that a lot of these, these people who would like to see teachers on body cameras because they don't trust us in teaching about American history and all these things, a lot of these voices were the same voices who a couple years ago, when the protests against school shootings and violence were, were at a, a, a bit of a peak, these are the same people that said, you know what, teachers should be able to have guns in the classroom because a gun in the classroom is the best defense against a school shooter. So a lot of these very conservative folks who are speaking out against teachers and saying they don't trust teachers, they want to ban this, ban that, put us on camera, all that. We're the same folks who a few years ago wanted to put guns in our hands. So it's like, you don't trust me with the curriculum, but you trust me with a firearm. What, like, make it make sense, Jeff. Make it make sense to me because I am losing my mind trying to understand what in the hell folks are talking about. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can make it make sense, Manuel, because it doesn't make sense. It is a certain degree of pure uh, irrationality, right? Like what, what we're seeing, and I really want to give uh, uh, props in this moment to Robin D'Angelo, because I think what we are seeing is actually a mass expression of what she coined, I believe she coined that term, uh, but certainly wrote a book on that term, uh, a mass expression of white fragility, right? Which is uh, really just an emotional response uh, to, to discomfort by being, by any range of things, but in this case, being challenged 
uh, on one's whiteness, white supremacy, and um, unearned privilege. And, uh, and also just simply challenged in terms of uh, an unwillingness from a larger swath of society to continue down the path of teaching a mythologized, fake, made up history to pro propagate the white supremacist mythology. So, I, you know, I don't think it makes sense in the in the logical sense, Manuel, because it doesn't make sense, right? Because it's not rooted in a in a sensical, if that's a word, uh, um, uh, you know, base yeah. at its core, right? It is nonsensical. Um, and here's also something um, I wanna I wanna read for us in this moment, Manuel, because. Um, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Joe Truss, former guest on the show, put this up, or tweeted this yesterday, quote from uh, Toni Morrison, the great Toni Morrison, and I think is very instructive in this moment. And it goes as follows. The function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language, so you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Someone says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdom, so you dredge that up. None of that is necessary. There will always be one more thing." End quote. And I think in this moment, that one more thing that we are seeing among centuries of one more things is critical race theory. And I, I think this goes to me, Manuel, to part of why I feel like we have to pivot from a defensive strategy, which is how I'm, I have interpreted a lot of what I've seen so far, which is like, hey, what you're saying isn't critical race theory. Critical race theory isn't teaching white kids that they should hate themselves. It's this, you know, legal theoretical framework that talks about it, you know, uh, seeing the connections between race and policy and, and negative social outcomes and that sort of thing, right? Um, and seeing how race impacts all kinds of supposedly race-neutral systems in, you know, within the legal system. And that's a wonderful you know, explanation for someone who's genuinely curious about what critical race theory is. But what we're engaged in is not a debate about what critical race theory is. What we're engaged in is a battle over the truth and a battle over justice versus oppression. And I think in that sense, I hope um, and I love that this this goes to the spirit of those uh, amazing all the above shirts, Manuel, that you made. Um, shameless plug right there. Go to AOTAshow.com slash support. Get a uh, Teach the Truth uh, T-shirt. But I, I think we need to go on the offensive by saying not only what we believe, which is that we are going to teach the truth. We are going to support um, not only critical race theory for what it actually is, but also its expression in education, which is typically something more like um, Goldie Muhammad's definition of criticality, right? Um, which is really just like applying a critical consciousness through lenses of identity, including race, gender, sexuality, religion, you know, immigration status, etc. Um, to the information that we read and the arguments we run into in the classroom. Um, and we need to come out swinging to say, like, actually, they are the ones who are the propagandists and the liars and are seeking to do harm to young people by teaching them false 
oppressive information. And the teaching of that false oppressive information is not only destructive to the mind and psyche and body of children of color, but is also oppressive and harmful to the mind, body, and psyche of white children in all kinds of ways. And we have a fundamental moral duty as educators to not allow that kind of uh, dishonest uh, mythological content to be what carries the day in our curriculum. And, uh, and so even if every elementary school in America was teaching critical race theory, that'd be fine. <laughs> Actually, that'd be okay. Now, I don't know how many third graders are going to have like a deep analysis of the law and policy, right? Uh, but in whatever third way we could make it work, I'm sure it'd be a wonderful third grade discussion, okay? Um, that's rooted in a responsible analysis, a truthful analysis of America's history. And what these folks want is to hide the truth. They want to teach a history that is lies and manipulation and the covering up and perpetuation of oppression. So I'm, I feel like we gotta stop trying to distance ourselves or give, give the impression that we're distancing ourselves from, from critical race theory. And by the way, shout out to uh, you know, the great um, folks who have brought us critical race theory. Derek Bell is often credited as kind of the, the founder or one of the major founders of critical race theory. But you know the Kimberly Crenshaws and the Michelle Alexanders um, of the world who um, you know, have given us a great gift of critical race theory to help inform other uh, disciplines and you know, domains of academic study, props to them. And uh, we gotta come out swinging, man. Like I'm, I'm not here for the, oh, let's argue about whether it is or isn't critical race theory. Like, nah, this country has deep problems and continues to have them. And a big factor is because we miseducate ourselves and our youth, and that needs to end, period, end of story. You are correct. I agree with all that. I am not optimistic that that would actually have the impact that we would need it to have, because I think it's just so clear, just nationally. Well, I mean, we could just look at the claims of election fraud. It's just so clear that like calling it out for what it is doesn't really matter to a whole segment of folks um, in, a, in a lot of ways, but it is very important that we do go on the offensive in support of truthful, honest teaching, honest reckoning with the past. And critical race theory certainly is a, a tool that would be very helpful, I think, for a lot of uh, history, social science classes to help students see how when we talk about racism, we don't need to always take it in the direction of individual overt acts of, of racism between individuals and what have you, that there's this legacy that's built in these systems. Like These systems that we operate in were all built at a time where it was very clear and very overtly white supremacist um, power structures in the nation in place and, and designed for that purpose. And now we live in a world where ostensibly, no matter your race, no matter your background, this, that, whatever, um, you could do it. You could you could be president, as they say. So <laughs> we can't just assume that these systems just changed and are magically clear of that whole legacy. Like, obviously, there's, there's a work to be done to detangle our present from our very racist past. But all that aside... I don't think those things matter to the folks who are against critical race theory and against, because I mean, it's not even critical race theory really that they're against, right? The goal has always been to blur and conflate critical race theory with pretty much any mention of race, any mention of equity, any mention of justice. 
anywhere yep. in there. If Martin Luther King were alive today, they'd call him a critical race theorist, even though they keep pointing to one particular line from one particular speech as proof that he would somehow be against like critical race theory. But in any case, um, we also need we need some support from from the media. I don't know that sounds terrible, but like a lot of these stories are centered around the loud voices in the opposition. And then in the fine print, you see like, oh, actually there's a lot of people there in support of this and that. So like, for example, the story that we just talked about, about the body, uh, the body cameras, like it's talking about this protest where these folks showed up with MAGA hats and signs saying no critical race theory, this, that, whatever. And the whole, most of the article is focused on that in their desire to have teachers wear body cams. But then in the article, it says like, on the other side of the entrance, students, parents, and teachers wore green t-shirts and carried signs with slogans, including amplify student voices. And, and it talks about this other group that was there to support changes to the curriculum, to have more inclusive curriculum, more honest uh, teaching of history. So it's like, why, the whole article is framed against the opposition and kind of just like downplays the fact that actually there's a, a lot of people in support of more inclusive curriculum and in support of things like tenets of critical race theory. And that reminds me of an article that I saw in the LA Times that was about ethnic studies being discussed at a board meeting locally in, in Orange County. And the headline, the original headline says, ethnic studies slammed as anti-white in Orange County. And then you read the article and it's like, yes, there were some folks there who were saying like, oh, ethnic studies is, you know, it's anti-American, anti-white. It, it teaches students to hate whites, this and that. But then also in the article where this discussion about so many students and so many parents coming out in support of ethnic studies. So it's like, why does the headline go to the loudest and most incorrect critics? And then like, you have to read the details to see like, oh, actually they were outnumbered by folks in support. They've since changed the headline. But like that to me just shows that like, a lot of this is framed around the conservative talking points. Those talking points become the headlines one way or another. And then that's like, you know, people see the headlines and don't read the details and don't look into it any further and are left to believe that there's this massive wave against against uh, critical race theory and against uh, anti-racism, all of this stuff. When in reality, it's not a massive wave. It's a few very loud folks. And I definitely want to shout out um, a lot of students out there who are fighting against this. I saw a headline from NBC News about this group of students who are pushing for Asian American studies in K-12 classrooms. And it talks about in Illinois, they they might be the first state to require Asian American studies course. And in, in the articles, fully about students organizing to have more inclusive teaching of history that includes the Asian American uh, Pacific Islander experience. And it's like, yes, like the young people know that they have been withheld from the truth. They have been taught a history that does not include a whole host of other communities and in, in histories and the young people like they're not dumb like they're not going to fall for they're not going to fall for the super super um white supremacist myths of the united states like there, there's too much truth out there to really silence the truth which is i think one of the like hopeful signs that we could look at. Like the truth cannot be silenced at this point. There's way too much, way too many sources of information for students to go to, way too much content out there for students to see that helps them access the truth and then turn to their school and see like, wait, why didn't my school teach me this? Like the Tulsa race massacre, like why are so many folks just recently hearing about it? And now I think we have a whole generation of folks that are going to hear about incidents like that, like, organically outside of their school and then question why their history teacher doesn't bring it up. Why didn't we Why didn't we learn about this in this class? And also I want to shout out one of my favorite folks on Twitter who's uh, Shayna White. She's long been pointing to an apparent 
overlap between the folks who are denouncing critical race theory and anti-racism and all that stuff and the folks who are denouncing masks and the folks who are pushing for schools to be fully reopened, everybody in the building, everybody together. She's long been saying like these groups seem to overlap quite a bit. So she's been saying like, you know, what's that Venn diagram look like between the folks who are against um, critical race theory and the folks who are against students wearing masks and students learning virtually. And today she she found, well, somebody else found it, Frank Nochis. I might be saying your name wrong. I'm sorry, Frank. Um, but he posted a picture and she retweeted, which is how I found it. But she she uh, he found these signs in the town of Greenwich, which says, unmask our children, ban critical race theory, protect medical freedom, attend the Board of Education meeting on June 17th. So there it is right there. Like these seemingly have nothing to do with each other. Children wearing masks to school, critical race theory being taught in schools and protect medical freedom. I could only assume that has something to do with vaccinations and them not wanting vaccines to be required. I think it's, I think it's they really want women to have the right to choose. Actually. Oh, is that? Well, no, that's, no, well, that's what I, wow. that's what I thought. <laughs> so yeah. And it's just like, okay, so we are basically talking about the same segment of society that just does not believe in, in truth, does not believe in science, does not believe in uh, honest reckoning with the past, does not believe in election integrity as it as we have it now and it's just um the overlap is crazy so i just i really want to shout out my city that i teach in the city of pasadena which recently i think yesterday surpassed 72 percent of folks above the age of 12 who have been vaccinated so 70 over 72 percent of the folks in the city that i teach in are vaccinated the city that I teach in did pass several resolutions in support of not just Black Lives Matter, but also in support of our Latinx population and our indigenous population. And uh, the city that I teach in that did recently adopt ethnic studies as a course for all high schoolers to have access to. So like we're vaccinated and we are learning the truth. So shout out to everybody, all the young people and families and educators in the city that I teach in. If you're listening to this and you are somewhere where they're still talking about like, oh, we shouldn't have to wear masks. We shouldn't have to get the vaccine. There shouldn't be any race talk in schools. Um, all I can say is I, 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 I can't relate to that experience. I can't imagine how frustrating that experience must be to teach in an area where like things that are so blatantly obvious, like wearing a mask is not oppressive. It's not, it's not bad for you. If anything, it's good. Um, I just can't imagine teaching an area where things that are that simple and that obvious are well, controversial. I'm going I'm to I'm jump in here real quick, Manuel, before yep. we conclude and say, I appreciate your positive uh, spin on this. I mean, not positive spin. I appreciate your acknowledgement of the fact that there are good things happening also. Yep. And that there are... Uh, People, policymakers, student activists, community activists, educators, educator groups who are fighting the good fight here. And that is important because we, we got to acknowledge that. And also, my point about we need to be on the offensive, Manuel, um, The Hill published a piece uh, just this week, June 9th, citing 21 states that have either introduced legislation to ban so-called critical race theory or have already banned it altogether. And if there's one thing we know about this element of the right wing in our society is that they are masters of using state legislators to legislatures to enact deeply 
oppressive and harmful types of legislation. So we got voter suppression going on and we got 21 states and I need folks to hear this right now, okay? Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Michigan, Missouri, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, all of them, okay? Are working on this right now. And this is why I'm saying that in as much as like we got pockets like Pasadena, like Los Angeles, like, you know, a lot of urban areas around the country, we got state legislatures, many of which are very divorced from their most, um, you know, densely populated parts of their state, the most diverse parts of their state, um, up to no good and trying to put into law like real Jim Crow kind of stuff in terms of uh, the curriculum right now. And we need to fight against this. And we cannot just stay in the place, in my mind, of like what is or isn't critical race theory. It honestly doesn't matter. <laughs> They're trying to, to legalize only the teaching of white supremacy. And that is unacceptable. It is, it is untenable. So get your shirts, folks. Teach the truth. AOTAshow.com slash support. There's a little button there. You get your merch. AOTAshow.com slash support. Teach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Shout out to Dr. Rustin for that one. And, um, you know, whatever you can do, join a group, join a march, buy good books to use in your classroom, but we got to keep the fight going and bring it to them because they are not resting. That is facts. That is all facts. And we love facts here on All of the Above. All right, folks, we got a very special episode next week. Very special episode next week featuring a ton, I think like seven or eight of our, uh, some of our, some of our favorite guests, not literally only our favorite guests because they're all our favorites, but we got seven or eight guests who have been on the show uh, over the course of the year returning to share some of their takeaways from this very, very, very challenging, challenging school year. So definitely you don't want to miss that. Make sure you subscribe. Please rate us, review us rate us and review us, you know, five stars would be very, very, very much appreciated. Seriously, folks. Um, but yeah, that about does it for this week on all the above's passing period. We love y'all. Get to class. <laughs>